Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. It's a jubilant scene here in the Second Captain Studios with three salt-of-the-earth dubs reflecting on yesterday's All-Ireland success. <laughs> Owen, Ken. Hey, Ken. Owen, how are you doing? And Dublin Masters footballer, Kieran Murphy. Hello. Hello. Kieran. How's it going? Murphy, I, I saw Kevin Moore on Outside Mulligans last night. Oh, the yeah. code breaker himself. Yeah, oh, great. And after yeah. I gave him a piece of my mind about his documentary ruining Ireland's chances. Of course. Of yeah. match. Although, you know, how much blame can he take, really? It's mostly yeah, Brown's fault. Yeah, yeah, anyway, yeah. The filmmaker needs to take... After yeah. all that, I, I thought, you know, he's the second most... Dub, Dublin dub I've seen today you are number one <laughs> you did play against for your own county your new county against your old county for, for, against, for, for my county against my county yeah yeah, yeah that was Saturday yeah that how was how did it go uh, we lost Sean. lost by four points in the end uh, you know, listen, like go to the Galway Masters it was uh, it was a tough day at the office not made easier by the Barry Joyce playing no uh, they're not that masterful these lads yeah yeah playing. the the uh, uh, these are the Masters is more about lads who have timed their run for inter-county football if you know what I mean you know uh, they're poised to strike once, once you get to 40 they're just at the absolute prime of their uh, prime of their life so yeah it, 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 you know, it was obviously a bad day at the office made worse by the fact that my two nephews or two of my nephews showed up wearing Galway jerseys and just like sidled down to the sideline where I was uh, standing mm. and were just you know, barracking, you. barracking me, abusing me. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the language wasn't that foul. I mean, I, I can tell Paul that the, their language was, you know, within it, the it general. Impeccably brought up young children, yes. Yeah, but I mean, just really, dis- some really <laughs> disgraceful stuff going on, really, to be honest. But there you go. On. Who are you that shouting is for? Not, that is not the game that uh, most people have tuned into this podcast to hear about. So who are you shouting for a croaker then? I was resolutely, resolutely uh, <laughs> neutral. Resolutely, yeah, resolutely neutral. We didn't need your pedantry for that one, Ken. I think everyone picked up on that. <laughs> yeah, back, including the manager. Uh, and you know, the, 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 that uh, feeling of neutrality only ever really left at the moment when uh, John Small's goal went in, and the Dublin fan beside me, lad from Castlenock, lovely fella, uh, stood up, whacked me full on the cheekbone with his elbow. I mean, if I had stood up and celebrated, then I would have got this in the ribs, no problem. But as it was, I was just I was si- sitting down because I wasn't going to be standing up roaring for a goal for one side or the other. So he cracked me one right on the cheekbone, and it was like kind of like he was like, "Oh, jeez, I'm really sorry." I was like, "That's fine, but you've literally reduced my cheekbone to dust." Is like the pain was extraordinary, but then it was like, "Actually, I think I might be okay." I mean, I will have a massive shiner, but I think I'm going to be okay. As it turned out, not a mark on you, not a mark on me. Uh, it's always a good Your All-Ireland final weekend when you were able to walk into the office shot. on Monday morning. That's a matter of interest, <laughs> without any major wounds. You said this lad from Castlenock was a lovely fellow. How much talking were you doing? Over the course, I of the was game. doing a bit. Yeah, I was there two carry lads on one side, two uh, Dublin lads on the other side. I was refereeing it magnificently. It's an interesting dynamic, isn't it? The etiquette around all Ireland's because if you're lucky enough to get a ticket, mm. oftentimes it's going to be by yourself. You might yep. not be with your mates, as I was in the, the as I was as well in the upper Davin stand. So I was sitting beside a lad, 
I think he he was a good he was a good guy to be sitting beside. There was yeah. just the right amount of talk, which is to say occasional interjections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, you don't want to run in commentary either. Yeah, yeah. So it was all going fine. I was getting on well with him. You know, oh, the refs are bollocks. You know, yeah. The usual. The stuff. usual. Yeah. Dub. Um, the usual I Dublin language. Believe how anti-social McDevitt is. Like, yeah, yeah. He's I, at a, he's did, at an all Ireland final. Did I say I said the refs are bollocks? <laughs> no, no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your. You know, don't talk to me too much. We're at the match. <laughs> I mean, well, not, oh my god, have you ever been at a game where somebody has talked at you the entire the entirety of it? It's not not a good scene. I have man. I not have. a good scene. So anyway, this is all going fine. I think we had the right level of conversation and yeah. social interaction. Got gotcha. you. Yeah. The, the, right, the appropriate we mean, level. Yeah. We then the goal goes in, right? Yeah, and I blew it. Uh, what did you do? You hugged I, him. You hugged him. Did you, did you lay your hands on him in I a familiar my hand, fashion? I laid my hands on him in a familiar fashion. It wasn't a hug. It was a, it just turned around to me there. Okay, yeah. The goal goes in, right? And yeah. I, there was enough time to pause. I, I, you know, there was a few seconds after the goal, so I really yeah. should have reined it in. And I gave him the old uh, uh, slap, slap on, on the, the back. back. <laughs> Would you stop on? I'm not the most tactile man, Murph. You're no, a lot more tactile really than me, but I just, I just lost it. And there was nothing from him, nothing back. Uh, he just and did, not a word for the rest of the game. Didn't speak to me for a few minutes, but in fairness, by the end, he was asking me to take photos of him and all that kind of ah, stuff. Yeah, okay. So I think it was all right. It's just, yeah, a, it's yeah. a tricky. I, I got I, the I think it was absolutely all right. Oh, to smack him on the back, but then why didn't he smack me back or high five me or something instead of just shuddering? It doesn't need to be reciprocal, you know. Yeah, I think, it was, I think it was okay within the bounds of you know fair All Ireland final behavior. yeah exactly you know like the, okay, the rules are temporarily things. suspended Paul Flynn and Michael Murphy on the show today they've been absolutely brilliant all season as our members know better than the Monday only listeners listening mm-hmm. today secondcampus.com five euro a month plus VAT uh, because we'll be having plenty of why the GAA is awful conversations. What's wrong with the GAA over the course of the next nine months, I'm sure. We can say we don't want to do it, but it's going to happen. Sometimes they really just absolutely bloody blow it on. Michael Murphy was broadcasting on BBC Two yesterday. I don't know. I haven't had a chance to watch this back yet. Murphy, yeah, I watched it back this morning. Yeah. Yeah, 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 really good, actually. Uh, so it was on BBC Two Network, as they say. So that was that means it was being broadcast across the UK. Mm-hmm. So there's quite a bit of Gaelic football is uh, at the heart of Irish culture kind of... Uh, 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 scene setting going there on. There was a lot of translations for the English <clears throat> or British audience. Such as? Yeah. Well, I think it was Mickey Hart who said, uh, in lauding David Clifford, it was like, this guy would be, you know, the, I suppose we would say, the messy of Gaelic football. Mm. And then uh, it went on, they were talking about small uh, and he's feisty. Well, if yeah. you, you know, if you if you want to imagine feisty, think of Roy Keane. That's you know across the water. If you want yeah, to think, yeah. of, think of Roy Keane across across the water, he said that was Mickey Hart again. And then it was like talking about one of the Dublin players who's about to win nine All Irelands. You know, nine All Irelands. Hmm. Says Michael Murphy. You know, that's like across the water. That's like winning nine Premier Leagues. <laughs> I was kind of like. Yeah. You can imagine like winning a competition nine times. Yeah, we we got it. We got it. Across you know? the either side of the water. A little yeah. bit of explaining is no. Is no it's more like winning nine World Cups, though. Uh, well, I mean, the World Cup is a quadrennial event. Yeah, it's not really the, like winning. <laughs> well, you know, it's not like you can just change, chop and change your counties. That like, is true. Like you can in the Premier League. That you is know? very true. In most that's, cases, that's that's very that. true. Yep. Um, but no, the the BBC did also. There was a sprinkling of uh, Hollywood superstardom. Paul Meskell. Uh, yeah. Showed himself to be uh, actually extremely astute uh, watcher of Gaelic games. <laughs> yeah, and Daryl Dar- Dar- Breen, Patrick Healty was there. They were, they all actually have played and yeah. have a it pretty is, good knowledge of yeah, the sport. It was actually hilarious that you know Patrick Healty is there, uh, obviously extremely well known to BBC viewers. And it's not like Patrick, you know, you're along for the ride. You know, Patrick Healty. All Ireland winner <laughs> with down, you know, like all Ireland yeah, minor, yeah. Uh, minor winner with down. So everyone's bona fides were very well established, and uh, yeah, there was like the Sinead O'Connor moment was actually a beautiful moment to be in the stadium for. They yeah. played nothing compares to you on the big screen. It was and nice applause, a yeah. bit during and then a bit after. Yeah, yeah, it was great. And uh, Dara actually outlined just why All Ireland final day is such a beautiful kind of occasion for something like that to happen it's there is sort of a, a, a communality that uh, on our all Ireland final day that is kind of hard to match in any other sphere in Irish life when you have like 82 and a half thousand people it's a pretty good sample size I think for the the what the nation is feeling at any one time and certainly last week given Sinead's death uh, the All Ireland final was kind of just the perfect setting for a, a public display of grief. So good superstar panel and obviously a very strong GA expert panel. Yeah, uh, no, it was great. It was just it was just a lot of fun of a broadcast. And Sarah Mulcairn's uh, actually a very good presenter as well. I think so. Ken, mm. 
think I know who you were most impressed by. Well, World Service member. Well, my close personal friend, Jack McCaffrey, was the pick of the bunch. <laughs> Owen. I've seldom seen a substitute just turn the tide of a game. It was Vinaldum against Barcelona territory. <laughs> well. He was know. exceptional. He was absolutely brilliant. Well, he came, he came on and, and it was all Dublin from that point. Mm. Yeah, no, it was it was something else. Uh, we ha- we did have on some correspondence from uh, Malachi Clerken uh, <laughs> uh, yesterday evening. <laughs> so Malachi was uh, hanging around at the end of the game looking for like some post-match quotes from players or whatever. And uh, Jack McCaffrey was walking out of the dressing room with a pint of Guinness in each hand. I've got it here. Yeah, read it out of Malachi says, hanging about in the tunnel like a stage door, Johnny. I met Jack McCaffrey coming towards me, holding a creamy pint in each hand. Jamie Wall is carrying you on that podcast, he said, and walked on. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's, just, it's just great to see Malachi Clerken getting bodied like it's that. It's just great to see Jack McCaffrey has his priorities right immediately after not allowing final, yeah, yeah. critiquing elements of the second captain's world <laughs> service. You know, uh, David Clifford, Ken, not so impressed by you, that is. Um, I understand you felt he underperformed on the day. What, what, was I the only one who felt that? No, you weren't. <laughs> what, what did the, what did the dubs, a dub fan shout at you? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, it can be difficult, you know, as you're kind of like walking out of Crow Park. People are on different buzzes, you know? And I was like quite exhausted after the game. There was one Dublin fan in particular that I met. He was quite energised, you know? Like, there was, he was quite energised on a number of topics. And he started, uh, he wasn't calling me a fraud, I mean, I think he was calling me a fraud, but he, he he disguised it in the people talking about David Clifford. The lad's a fraud. <laughs> Stephen Cluxton is the best player of all time. It's not even close. Do you see what he did to that Dublin team? Umbl- and like, I was kind of like good-naturedly listening to it for a while. And then I was like, actually, I need to walk away. <laughs> I, can't, I can't quite handle this. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was, it was an, a, a mad thing that like every conversation I had about the game since the game is finished, kind of started with Clifford, you know, uh, and started with the fact that, you know, he kicked five wide and dropped one into the keeper's hands. So and you know, bad wides as well. A couple yeah. of a couple of really a couple of under pressure ones. But even at that, we've come to expect him to score the under yeah, pressure yeah, ones yeah. when the, the marker is really close to him and all that. But there were a couple. There was one with the right foot that he's from the right hand side that he. Screwed right across the goals. To, to like he'd feign past three yeah, bears and then the, just and you could see wide. head and hands there, you know. And yeah. he kept going and all that, and he kept showing, and he had the chance to to equalize at the end. Yeah, but that was a bad bad enough one as well. Yeah. I had the, I had this line floating around my head all weekend when people asked me kind of how I thought the game was going to go, and it was that old Bundini Brown line I think about Muhammad Ali. Um, in the run-up to... I actually picked up the fight to try and find the, the quote and I couldn't find it. I think it must be in there somewhere. But anyway, the line is basically that he's joshing with one of Foreman's corner staff. They're, they're, have, they're outlining kind of why each fighter will win the fight and Bundini Brown ends the argument by saying, your guy's human, my guy ain't. Mm-hmm. And I always just thought that like, over the course of the weekend that that would be the reason why Kerry would win it. That in the final analysis, Clifford is just better than ev- everyone, anyone we've ever seen and that he would make the difference. And it turns out he's human too, you know, like that's just the, the reality of top level sport. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And he is my second captain. Second captain. That's uh-huh. the humorous competition. I saw that. Important man for my selection.
What is it all about? There's no sense it's about the pig. I love me county. It's a dump. We're going to do it. This is the first time we've ever spoken to Paul Flynn in the morning after a Dublin All-Ireland win. Paul, how are you feeling this morning? Oh, a bit sheepish. Um, um, I was happy yesterday, but it just was like, it's hard to be happy when like you've had around six hours sleep and uh, <laughs> you're trying to talk about the game yesterday in the podcast. Probably, I'm, I'm, I'm probably awake around 20 minutes and within that time I had to get microphone sword and everything. Simon was really challenging me this Simon's morning. Simon's a hard taskmaster <laughs> on this kind of stuff, Paul. You know, he's, he's, he never lets up. But listen, it was... But whatever about today, did you enjoy yesterday? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, know, listen, I have to say, um, that's probably why I'm so down because I only had a few drinks last night. Uh, it was an emotional roller coaster yesterday. It was, it really was, you know, for um, for anyone who was involved with them lads and especially the three lads, I think it was, you know, it's probably, it was just it was such a big uh, moment, you know, and even met a few lads who played along the journey with them and all felt attached to that, felt a part of that, you know, so to see those guys do that today and see James, he's walking up the steps, was really, really emotional. Weird, I was on radio with RT yesterday and my impartiality went out the window and I was like it was very difficult not to it was just it felt more natural just to be just to soak up the moments rather than um, you know trying to analyse or anything like that but it really was it was barren like you know whatever about the game we get into that but the whole uh, the whole the ending of it was very very emotional for all dubs yeah and for and for the current players as well which I thought was interesting um, I, actually for instance, we made the same point about the Limerick Curlers a few weeks ago that, that they were still getting joy as though they were winning their first one and it was the same for it seemed like a lot of those Dublin players kind of let themselves go in the moment the more the experienced guys who've won eight, nine All-Irelands it seemed like I think a lot of people were quite struck by how, how much joy they were getting yeah. out of it and I don't know if you saw Brian Fenton but I mean my eyes kind of went to Fenton at the final whistle and he went completely crazy he just like ran around for 30 seconds or 45 seconds he was just so delighted it was so obvious Paul how much how deeply they wanted this one uh, and how much it meant to them to to get it over the line big time and there was a there's a sense amongst fans, and there was a sense even in the I was at the banquet last night um, that it was you know anyone who was who was knocking around in 2011. It had that feel to it. That was, that to me was mind blowing. Like, you know, it's only been two years, you know, since they won it in 2020, but it felt like there was like a famine and then like, you know, we got it back, you know, and it was that kind of mentality. And look at all the other elements that are thrown into the mix to, to add to that. The fact that, look, obviously this is coming to an end and everyone accepts that it's not going to last forever. And even just listening to Jack McCaffrey in the interview last night, he said it was, it was like a relief. The language he was using was relief. It was way off the shoulders. Like as if they carried this extra, this burden or some of some kind that they needed to do this, you know. Um, and like you know, maybe that, maybe that, maybe they did. Like internally, that was kind of what was driving them was that like they just were so used to being at the apex and then like you know struggled to to, to not to not be up there. But um, but yeah, it added to a quite special occasion. Michael Murphy has been patiently listening to Paul there. Michael, I'm sure you feel sorry for all dubs having a two-year famine there. <laughs> two years in the wilderness without an All-Ireland. All it's, it's a tough old break. How did, you, how did you enjoy the day? Hanging out with your celebrity mates there in the Beeb? Yeah, uh, certainly different. Uh, yeah, listen, I loved it. Uh, I loved the, loved the game quality-wise. I'm sure we'll get into it. Maybe it wasn't at the top, top, top end. I think Paul spoke around there about players with, with you know, baggage or weights on their shoulders. And probably the game played out like that in terms it was a real slugging fest, really end-to-end, that type of way. But listen, in terms of the occasion, before and after the game, you know, Kerry Dublin, two teams of the most All-Irelands ever won, you know, players, people, everybody kind of in and out of hotels, was in and around the Crow Park Hotel. There's a great buzz there before the game and just over. And to see a full packed house in Crow Park, yeah, the weather conditions maybe played into the, the quality of the game. But it was, um, yeah, listen, it was, it was a great day. There's so many different little talking points. I think Paul went over them there. You know, the, the Dublin one and, and the drive for, for nine for those three. I think it, we kind of mentioned it here last Thursday as a, as a potential uh you know a potential influence and i think the more the clip closer the game got and the more the game was going on i think that became more and more of a, a an influence on the game um oh did you, why? you know, so why did you think that was an influence even as the match was unfolding 
I, I just felt there was just this, there was a lack of freedom to anything that was in the game. There was just this complete burden, Paul said it there. It felt like a weight on every player's shoulders, even on the Kerry side. You felt the weight on David Clifford's shoulders for once. He could, he, he sensed it from him. He was, he was going around trying to grab the ball to make something happen because the weight was on his shoulders. But, and then just at the final whistle, you could sense, like we've seen now, Stephen Cluxton celebrating in All-Ireland. Like, what, what, a, what a brilliant sight to, to, to see. You know, I know Paul would have been a teammate of his for a long time. I pleasure and the opportunity to share a dressing with him with the Ireland team again. And he is such a brilliant fella. He does, that doesn't um, maybe come out in the, in the mainstream and it's not known around the, the, the whole of the country but you know to see him out there with a massive smile on his face was, was something that, that gave me a smile going down the road you know Yeah and you know it's it, maybe it's easier to to see it in retrospect but Michael when the fat was in the fire when the game had to be won Dublin this Dublin team have characters that are just to borrow the, the phrase from Jurgen Klopp mentality monsters like they really really yeah. are it's it's just incredible to see how they can just bend games. You know, that the, the big players will always stand up, you know, and Fenton had been like quiet enough. I think, you know, had been, had been doing his stuff. But in the last quarter, just get behind me, lads. You know what I mean? Like, just give me the ball and uh, good things will happen. The story of the game in ways was the story of the last decade of football that, you know, teams will get themselves organised. They'll get themselves into positions to win games against Dublin. But if Dublin are in with a sniff with five minutes to go, you're in big trouble. Yeah, and played out. And Kerry have improved at that. You know, this Kerry side have, have improved at when the game is in the kind of slugfest. They've improved in terms of trying to come out the other side of this. But listen, they come up against the maestros of it. And I think the point, Mannion's um, point, to, to put them ahead uh, on the 73rd minute kind of encapsulated uh, Dublin's ability to, to play within the to play within the pressure cooker. You know, Colin Bascale had an unbelievable second half, dipped the shoulder, went through and goal. I don't know if Kane Murphy will speak to him for the rest of the week, yeah. why he didn't slip, <laughs> slip him in. But anyway, he got blocked down. Okay, most teams will be out the window, blocked down, terrible. No, Dublin got the ball back. Scully and McMahon nipped around to Dean Rock. You're like, right, here's the moment. Dean Rock mm-hmm. kicks it. Shane Ryan, unbelievable piece of goalkeeping to flick it down. Again, Dublin back into it again and finally gets around to, 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 to Mannion who puts himself into the scoring zone to get it. So there was three occasions where Dublin could have just give out, ran back to their 45, whatever. No, they stayed within that zone. They stayed within their, their ability to just play within those those moments is, is unbelievable. I thought that 73rd minute to put them one point up that really encapsulated the game, but encapsulated in a way the greatness of this Dublin team. Encapsulated, there was probably three mistakes there, but... They just got on with it and and they willed themselves. It was the will. There was a will within that play, a willingness to get over that line. Um, and we've seen it within that that moment. Paul, what were your big moments, if you can try to make some sense of what happened yesterday? That was a that was a huge moment that Murphy spoke to there. And I just think it was it was so messy. Nearly like it, the game, it was all in that one play. It was like what the game was like for the first quarter. I was like, "What is going on here? Like, have these lads all forgotten how to play football?" You know, like it was that messy. It was, and like you don't really appreciate even now. Me, I remember it myself when you're playing in those conditions where there's that greasy surface morph. You know, in Crow Park, it's so tricky. You were seeing lads who are just um, taking four steps bouncing the ball and it was getting away from them you know there was no one even near them so that was really tricky and that play, that, that kind of ruined the game to a certain degree from a like, you know quality point of view but still like there was just it was just the, the whole thing was a bit messy and more I think you've got you hit the nail on the head I think they all bought into the hype a little bit um, and let, let it seep in that it just and they also probably paid too much respect to the opposition in the way that they just were so you could see that they were so focused on all these different things, but they then just didn't do the basics well, you know? And it was just, it was, it didn't, it wasn't a great first half. And it came to life with the goal, but then, sorry, the goal was going to bring it to life. And then it was half time. Like that, they could have done with that goal around 10 minutes earlier, either team, just for the, for the fans, just to bring a bit of, you know, um, life to the game. Um, so like, and then the second half, I think the critical, the win and losing the game, obviously that big, that big play more said was huge. But in my eyes, I just, 
don't agree with the philosophy or the tactic of conceding kickouts. I said it about Armand on this podcast a number of weeks ago. And when Kerry were in control of that third quarter of the game, they went three up and then they conceded the goal. Yeah, Khan got a goal chance as well, but then they went three up again. And then Dublin just picked them off too easy because Cluxon got off his kick out so simple. Like it was 100% on Cluxon's kickouts, who was unbelievable yesterday, by the way, to kick them two frees as well. But barring that, to be 100% in your kickouts with no pressure. And it wasn't as if when the kickout came off, like Fenton, um, um, there was a number of times Dublin players ran straight through the middle, taking three and four solos with no contact on them. And if you're going to concede kickouts, they said this about Armagh, sometimes it's risk reward in the sense that, okay, you might lose the, 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 the odd one long and then you're a bit exposed at the back. But it, it's a trigger. It's a mindset. You're going at them. They didn't go at Dublin after they got on top to kill them off. They were kind of in a containment phase. And then they didn't even do that properly because they weren't fully switched off to it. They were lazy after they had given off the kickout. So when they look back on that, I think they're going to look back and regret. Whenever I play Kerry teams, they always challenge Cluxon's kickout and they didn't even try yesterday. Fenton's point in the 64th minute, an absolutely key moment in the game. He was able to carry the ball 30 or 40 yards and kick a completely uncontested score from 40 yards out from a position on the field where we've seen Brian Fenton kick literally 60, 70 points over the course of his career. At that stage of the game, it's it's actually unforgivable, Paul, that that happened uh, uh, the way it did. Exactly. That's, that's the point I'm making. And like in the first half, there was a lot of Dublin like plays where they were getting players behind the ball. If you look at their mentality, that like they were hunting lads, they were, um, um, they were getting contact on, you know, and when they noticed that Goff was letting things go, they just kept pushing the boundaries. They kept going in harder and harder. And, um, but there wasn't that kind of like, okay, we've got extra players here. Let's just sag off a bit, not work hard enough. That's, and I, and a part of it with Kerry, and I need to look back on the game again. I genuinely was so caught up in the emotion yesterday. I didn't give it the proper analysis, but I, I would love to see when I look back where they caught between two stools more in relation to, partially going man to man and then partially taking up the zones when they were when they were conceding because I just have this kind of memory of when Fenton was running through there were one or two lads who were just tagging players that were beside them rather than just noticing where the danger was and just going to that and so it's that balance I just I just I can't get my head around their kick out strategy I need to I need to look at that in more detail but I think that was a big big moment of it if they had it gone after imagine they get a score and then they go after Cluxon's kick out and win one they're the momentum builders that get you over the line in an All Ireland final. There was one or cu- there was a couple of occasions in the second half from we were positioned just right behind Cluxton's goal, um, where where Kerry did go a man to man tight on on it was predominantly after free kicks, um, and they did get tight, but it just shows you like from our view and it felt like they didn't press because Cluxton's composure was ridiculous. He waited and waited on one occasion and the roars were coming from everywhere the Kerry players were getting animated and he picked off um, he picked off McMahon McMahon just after coming onto the pitch just right at the top of the D yeah. and, and it, it looks it look so simple when you watch it on TV but when you see the whole pitch around you it was just a, it was an incredible piece of uh, bravery incredible piece of uh, composure uh, from him 100% in his own kickouts two monster frees in the first half um, but you know all of those players that come back, and I know people are. It's been brought through the rigmarole in terms of the players that have come back and the impact and the difference that they've made. But they did listen even yesterday. Mannion five number of assists. Pascal even coming into the frame this year with two and creating the goal. Cluxon back in hundred percent in his kickouts. Uh, even a, there was a high ball played on. I don't know the start of the second half or, or in the second half too, and it it looked so simple again. But he caught it in his uh, caught it on his, his his chest, and a carry man was bearing down on him. It looked so simple, but he just caught it in his chest and side sidestepped him. And I know maybe I'm over egging the, the the Cluxton thing here, but on a slippy day, a wet day, the the semi final piece maybe in his head against Monaghan, just for him to show that composure to do that, just shows in a different stratosphere. McCaffrey off Cap- the, uh, McCaffrey off the coming well, in, yeah. correct, lovely ball into, into into small at the top of the D with his left foot, he played it across the goal, uh, a cracker. Um, so, so, so they all made huge, huge, you know, impacts to it, and just was enough to get into it. The one thing I think we'd have to mention on it, like, and again, it's such fine margins. We're speaking about Dublin here today. At seventy-three minutes, the game was a draw game. Mm-hmm. You know, Kerry went up 
three t- twice in the second half by three points. And listen, finals are just, it's all about the winner. It is all about the winner. And from now on in, it'll just be all about the winner from now until the start of the next year. It will not be about uh, not be about Kerry. But the Dublin forwards work rate, Paul, you mentioned it there in terms of hounding, was absolutely incredible. They were they were unbelievable. Uh, the two of the big scores in the game that we look back on, there was Lee Gannon's tackle at the top of the day in the first half. Who won the ball that, that tackled? Con, Con O'Callaghan. Drove forward. Who did he pass the ball to? Pascal. Who did Pascal pass the ball to? Mannion. It was on the counter. It was perfect. The goal, Gavin White interception. Pascal intercepts. Gives the ball to, to, to Small. The forward lane work rate. And again, did we hear of Gavin White marauding forward? No, we didn't. Paul Murphy marauding forward? No. Even Jeremy O'Connor from the middle of the field, did he bring anything to that forward? No, he didn't. And I, I think that has to be complemented massively as that forward effort from that from from Dublin in terms of their forwards defending. And there's one other thing to add on to say, because while he's on the kind of big players stepping up or whatever, um, for me, like... It, there's been the kind of lot of talk around Jack Barry having having Fenton's number, you know. And I watched uh, just yesterday morning. I watched last year's semi final again when Don Kerry won, and that day Fenton had had the number on 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 Barry. And I went into the game with a lot of confidence that Fenton was going to put in a big shift, and he was he was exceptional yesterday. Even just small basic things he was doing, his handling, you know, controlling the game, his balls up the wing, he had a huge game. On the ground, he he definitely flipped Barry. Definitely, Barry didn't do too badly on on kickouts. He done okay for 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 Kerry, but on the ground, Fenton was was sick. I mean, that they have those two scores inside the forty five was like something. It's where he was out the back garden, like yeah. just kicking them. They were incredible scores. His kick uh, passing is phenomenal. Yeah, uh, we've gone uh, seventeen or eighteen minutes here without mentioning uh, David Clifford. Uh, and suffice to say, in the conversations I've had since this game happened. It has taken a lot less time than than eighty minutes for people to mention uh, Clifford, and this was a game in ways that was nearly swallowed whole by narrative. You know, like the, all of the pressure that drive for nine on the Dublin side and on the other side. Then this was going to be the iron final that David Clifford was going to put on his back and win for Kerry, and it obviously didn't happen. And watching the game back this morning, you know, it, it was actually it was kind of refreshing to watch it this morning uh, because when you're in the stadium. The pressure on Clifford was so incredibly intense. Uh, like the 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 focus on him was so incredibly intense that you know this was the game that proved that like he is human. You know that, that at the end of the day he was for all the brilliant job that Mick Fitzsimmons did, and I don't want to take anything away from the job that Mick Fitz, uh, Fitzsimmons did. He did a magnificent job on David Clifford. Clifford still missed one three when complete when under not not when not under the pressure that uh, any pressure that Mick Fitzsimmons could put on him there was still one three for David Clifford to kick including the ball in his hands with a minute to go deep in injury time and it just didn't happen Michael you know it's like watching it was just you know for all the wide still when he got that ball in his hands with a in the 75th minute I just did I saw no way that he would miss and he misses and he misses yeah, it was it was incredible to 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 watch the firstly I suppose that yeah the two the two narratives that we were going into it was David Clifford putting the thing in the back and, and Kieran Kilkenny would he start and the two of those kind of were maybe false dawns I suppose yeah, they weren't yeah, they, they yeah. weren't they, they just didn't happen the Clifford one it was it was funny I was really intrigued to see what Dublin would do in it you know how Dublin would what what they would do in it uh, and what even Kerry would do then to counter what Dublin was doing so. Paul, you were you were right. You were confident. I mean, but but what Dublin did. I mean, you can't say that they played with a, a, a permanent sweeper in front of Clifford at any time. They left Mick Fitzsad and they backed on their forwards to put as much pressure as humanly possible in that middle third of the field. And they stopped the ball getting to Clifford. But then within the first twenty minutes, Clifford cuts the ball once. Now he put it over the bar. Yeah. <laughs> but even before half time, before he created the the with the right foot pass, the lovely way to pass onto Guinea. He had touched the ball four times. Two of those passes were just backwards passes after McFitz Mc, Mc just thwarted them. The first passed the ball backwards. And then he had that one magic touch. So they just limited the amount of time. You know, five touches. The most he can get is five five scores or five goals, whatever yeah, you want yeah, to put yeah. it. But but it just felt from, I think there, there was a play before halftime that summed up, I believe, his belief 
and everybody's belief in terms of he, he do you remember the time he, he was carrying the ball forward he ended up um he drove from nearly that the forty five yeah. right through. Yeah. Uh Mike Futz, I think, actually slipped over did, maybe yeah, at a stage yeah. in that. It was, there. it was not long before the the goal, actually, yeah. But it was like Roy of the Rover stuff. It was like going through to clip a point from like it's a difficult thing to do in an all Ireland mm. final. It's a difficult thing to do in any game. But I was just looking, is there any carry players going to come on a loop here, going to come around him, going to come over to support him? Nothing. And nothing came. And even in that second half, you know, Potty, yes, clipped over his, his three and, and was threatening there to do that. Paul Guinea kicked 1-1, one, one, missed 1-1, one, one, you know, never really going to win the All-Ireland for, for you. And you were just looking for more spread around. Sean O'Shea went a bit quiet and and really it came back to what we had feelings all year was that just the spread wasn't there for Kerry. But credit to Dublin the pressure, the concentration, the focus for Mixford Simmons was just astronomical. It was crazy. Paul, it might be able to enlighten you a bit more around the type of character he is. I think it's. I think that's important to know. I just thought his focus to the battle was just unbelievable for the whole game. He was always there. His footwork's immense on that slippy day. You know, yes, I said he slipped once. There were very few times he was around in the ground. He was always there around the Clifford shot. Um and he and he just he just he just did enough. But but credit also to to that middle third for putting pressure on ball, getting to Clifford. You know, it's been a, it was such a pressure cooker for the guy. You know what I mean? Like and like I don't care if you don't read the media, I don't care if you're not on social media. It was so intense. You know, they had to seep through and get to him in some way, shape, or form. I don't know how well, Paul, if we're, if we're talking about him, and I did have conversations with a lot of people afterwards saying, you know, is everyone blowing too much smoke up David Clifford? You know, already anointing him the greatest footballer of all time when on days like this the greatest footballer of all time has to deliver that's just what they have to do and that's it it's a great point like there has been I've been caught up in the wave of you know like every, like, you know, nearly just going with the flow essentially on him being the greatest ever but in the back of my mind I'm saying he's a lot of he's the potential to be absolutely but he's a lot of work to get there and he's still only, only 24 years of age he's going to have up the, you know good days and bad days but uh, I think the system can definitely help him on more for saying I just think he needs to be like less of that rider over stuff less of that kind of low percentage you know shots and scores and getting more like, of a structure offensive structure that gets him into the 80% zone a lot more you know because he used to do a lot of work to get a shot off you know now yesterday I felt Mick Fitzsimons got into his head um, and as well as probably the occasion probably got to as well his head a little bit too but early doors I think Mick Fitz and the, like the um, the Dublin defensive structure just yeah Murph said I didn't get the ball to let him get the ball but then when Mick is a he, 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 I felt he bet him with his head rather than physically. You know, there was one or two plays, there was one or two plays where Mick Fitz didn't actually do anything. And that was the, it was the doing nothing that, that messed with Clifford. Like he just stood him up, stood his ground, stood his ground. Clifford was waiting for him. Like when he, when he jinked, he thought he would, um, Mick was going to fall for it and he didn't. And then he, he then, then Clifford was just, Cut off guard a little bit, and then even that play, Murph. When you say when he fell, I thought Mick Fitz did actually was doing really well. He was like he got a hand on. He made Clifford run at full pace. You know when you're running at full pace as a forward, you're limited options. Like you're not in control. You have to dial it back to be able to to to, to take a good shot. And then by the time he did dial it back, then Davy Bourne came in and got such a good hand on. So between Mick Fitz getting into his head and just being very present in the first 20 minutes Dublin cutting out the supply and then the team defence wrapping around it they did a fantastic job Like they need to get the credit for that because it didn't compromise their structure either and that was the most important thing that's what you'd worry is that you just focus so much and you leave other areas open but on Mick Fitz last point I'll make is the guy was was a guy who always evolved I I, I always recall back being in a training camp at Carton House probably around 10 8 years ago now and it was a normal training game, a week before one of the games, I can't remember which game, and I was playing half forward and I played a ball uh, in over the top and it was to Con and Con got a goal, right? And after training, I was walking off and I didn't even think about it, right? But I, Mick Fitz comes up to me and he goes, he kept me out on the pitch for around 10 minutes. Where, where, where was I positioned there 
for that pass what how was that ball on right and I was like it was just a good ball like don't be beating yourself up but he all he wanted to know was like what way should I have my body how, how would you what would have shut that out and that's the guy himself every session he was trying to better himself trying to figure out how he could be a better defender by using his head by positioning himself by trying to angles like he's a big brain he's a smart lad and he just tried to play it that way and, and that's just a little bit of an insight into the type of guy you're dealing with so I ma- imagine for the last two weeks he has just been trying to figure out how he can outthink Clifford yeah I tell you he also, uh, out, he also outthought the officials as well yeah. that was a huge moment I thought Michael because that was, was not level at the time Clifford gets a free and you know ordinarily he's the biggest star in the game and all that kind of stuff it's a, it's a strange one to then overturn that but as soon as it happened as soon as the free was awarded Fitzsimons just turns and starts roaring at the umpire saying you saw what happened there the referee then talks to the umpire don't know if he would have done it without Fitzsimons' reaction and the thing is overturned Dublin go up and score a point it was, it was almost a defining moment it, it was a huge moment because it was on the game was on a knife edge the whole way but this was on a re, this, this battle was on a knife edge really there you know Clifford just before half time putting through that world you know yeah maybe he broke even in the first half he could say or something like that with that goal creation but this that, that that particular play, Clifford won on a free on his side, left footed, a free kick, a chance to press up potentially in the kick out again, would have maybe given him another edge. And I think thereafter, he had to he really, really went for it with some of his shot selection, you know, from the corners and from the sides, because he really needed to force it because he felt, you know, he had he, he didn't get that free that was given. But for Simon's reaction, you know, it's on fine margins these finals and his reaction uh made Goff uh do something. He made he made him really question it, you know, and he went in there like it was a real strong reaction from Fitzsimons. It was a really, really bearable one. It was a really demonstrated really, really well. Yeah. Um and he managed to get it and and they won the hop. I've never seen that in my whole life. I have never seen that in my whole career where the referee Goff has done it a couple of times to be fair to him. Goff is not afraid to actually to talk to his umpires. He actually did it in the All-Ireland final. I want to say that happened in the 2019 final. I, I can't be entirely but what, what sure. What do you have talked to the umpires without Fitzsimons' reaction? I don't know. As Sean Moran said in the Irish Times today, it was like uh, Fitzsimons was just sort of looking for a court order against Clifford for yeah, whatever yeah, had yeah. gone on there. But when you look look it back in the high behind, it was a it was fifty fifty. Like you wouldn't, I wouldn't have called a slam dunk Clifford, you know, and foul. Not um, by any manner, not by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but I, I think I have, we also have to say that that. Oftentimes, these iron finals, the the refereeing, like sorry, your 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 uh, verdict on the refereeing comes down to: did they get one big call right or one big call wrong? Rather than looking at the totality of the game and how the ref the refereeing impacted the game, and I have to say that David Goff, I thought, did an absolutely brilliant job in allowing uh, the game to flow and not just whistling. Like, say, at, at various stages, players took the ball into contact. Oftentimes, you see, when a defender wins a good turnover, he picks up, he takes a step into a couple of lads, tries to drive on, and the referee, more often than not, gives the free. I thought Goff got the vast majority of those incidents correct. Well, he got, boo- he got booed by the Dublin fans after the game, and yeah. the, uh, uh, Kerry fans aren't happy about the James McCarthy situation. Maybe he should have got a, a well, red Well, there were point. probably two yellow card challenges that James put in the one on Sean O'Shea in the first half and then the one that he actually got the yellow card for I mean you know I, I, I think you can make the argument that he probably deserved the yellow card for the first one does he make the second one does he make the second tack- tackle if he's on a yellow card probably not yeah, the, big, the, the point I make on that as well is that's that's when when Goff lets things go, like he let bloody so much go early doors, you know, like you were like, is that not a free? And and then you're kind of saying, this this could be good if he keeps this going. And when you do that, players read that situation and they're saying, hold on, this lad's letting things go, and they just stay up there, kind of physicality. So he had to manage that situation, and th- like that's what he was trying to do. I thought with like McCarthy's one on O'Shea it looked like a slam dunk yellow card, but he didn't. He's, he was letting it go. He had to keep playing to this tune that he was playing. Could have been a straight red, though. It was, it was a high tackle, two, nah. two hands in. Ah, come off it. <laughs> you won't get me on that one, not today. <laughs> I didn't think the second one was. I was absolutely gobsmacked that the first one wasn't the yellow. Wasn't the it, yellow. Was a, it was a second, and not because of maybe it was a definite yellow. It was a second foul. It actually fouled pre- previously yeah. to that, too. So that was the second foul. I thought, Jesus, I've had any other players getting that. It was a yellow for two for a second foul. But, but listen, knock off overall, I thought. Well, there's so many little occasions. Uh, the jersey tug 
on who was it? Clifford. Oh, Jesus, Cl- Clifford, Clifford in the seventy yeah. minute. Yeah, it's a joke, like, you know. Yeah, it's like never, 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 never. And I seen the second replay up in yeah. the monitor where we were, and I was like, holy gee, like these, they, they yeah. are sharp. They are sharp. There's some of these referees are really, really sharp. And I'll say some with it with an asterisk on that. <laughs> I was like in immediate aftermath, Murph as well. I was like. I think he got a good few calls wrong. And then like that, that was one of them. And I seen replays. I'm like, Jesus, I was like, the more replays I seen as the day went on, I was like, maybe he, he, he had a good game, you know? Um, like watching, having watched it back, he had a really, really yeah. good game. Jeez, he, he got so David many. David got big... super fan here, Murph. No, I've never what, heard what, someone what, on a ref so no, much. Really? What about, what about the double? On, Michael. Yeah, they get yeah, it when they the, deserve the, it on. Is, yeah. he on the, is he on the Masters? Is he on the Masters panel? Is he or something like that? Well, listen, I think it's more of a controversy if he sh- uh, rocks up in a Dublin jersey for the double masters no if, the refereeing panel yeah yeah <laughs> Kieran was beaten by the way Paul let, let the county down on that one Ooh. but sure yeah, well but, but, but you're a wonder my nephews anyway. were delighted exactly oh, yeah. exactly sorry Michael you were trying to come in there was it was the, it more on the, the referee the, 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 the double bounce no but it, oh, was, the that goal. Cle- was that cleared up like I get the rule that if it touch off the toe it's a it's, it's a solo but actually did it hit off the toe yeah I mean Morris Deegan was very strong on the BBC coverage uh, that, you know, he he was quite clear in it. So I'm I was kind of led by him, to be honest. Like I I think the re- the the replays were were quite inconclusive. Um. So yeah, I mean, uh, that like that, that as as much clarity as was given, you heard uh, from Morris Deegan a couple of minutes after the incident. I think on the on the BBC, uh, that's that was as as much clarity as I got in it. One last word on Clifford, uh, Michael. Like when it boils down to it, if you know Kerry did. Kerry did enough to win this game in, in that they got the ball enough times to David Clifford. And it was a stat that I was looking for this morning and I didn't get a chance to, to find it, right? But Christy O'Connor did this brilliant thing about Lar Corbett. Lar uh, in the 2010 final, scored three goals and a point. One man of the match was, you know, like the, the darling of the, of the entire country afterwards. He touched the ball like seven times or something like that. In the 2009 final, uh, Lar Corbett touched the ball like 19, 20 times, uh, won turnovers, won hooks, blocks, the whole lot. And, you know, his, his performance is kind of like, was not something that anyone talked about in the immediate aftermath. The point I'm making is, basically, if David Clifford touches the ball four times in the first half and he touches it six times in the second half and he ends up with one six or one seven, like, you're, you're not looking for David Clifford to touch the ball 40 or 50 times. That's not his game. The reality is... You give if you give him the ball and you give him enough chances to score one three or one four more than he scored yesterday, that's the game plan and that's the pressure he takes on his shoulders every day he goes out. It's also so high risk because the like he is human and these chances go wide. Sometimes. Yeah, no, you've had it. Yeah, he listen. He touched the ball enough. I still can't get it out of my head as a forward who lacked patience, touching the ball once in the first twenty three minutes. And a final that's meant to be you're carrying the burden of your county and that final and you touch the ball once in the first you no know, twenty odd minutes, you can't get away from the fact I need to go make something happen here. And when you're some of the best corner full forwards that I've played alongside with, one of their key attributes was patience and staying patient within the scoring zone. You know, he's come to 11 at times and he's done really, really well. But listen, you need him in and around that danger zone as much as you can. It just felt from that moment on, every possession that he got, there was a desperation and a forcing that he needed to force the issue. And when you need to force the issue, listen, there's probably no better man to force the issue than him too. Um, and a number of his, his, his chats his chances went to the left and right, but it just felt there was a build-up of pressure there on that. And and listen, it's so high risk for Kerry because he's such an unbelievable player. Um, and, and he will go on again to just continue to be an unbelievable player. I just have no doubting about that. But he can't get away from the fact that, yeah, he had a quieter day and the spread of scores just weren't there for Kerry. They kicked one thirteen. It's mm. not enough. Not enough yeah. to win an All Ireland final. It's and, just not enough, and that's yeah. that, that's where it, where it come down to. And w- and one last word to the uh, David Clifford is a fraud merchants. I mean, he did kick eight points in the All Ireland final last year to win uh, his first All Ireland title. So I mean, you know, all this chat about like, oh well, he didn't do it on the day. like he did it in the day last year. Do you know what I mean? And he's, there's every chance he'll do it in the day next year. So like, I I just kind of feel like sure he ha- he didn't have a great game, but like. He's done this a million times. He was exceptional against Dublin in 2019 as a kid, you know. So he had an off day. I, 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 I still believe in David Clifford. It's basically the most un, <laughs> not uncontroversial thing I'll ever say. 
Yeah, yeah. And look, and the, other, the other thing is, he he did he he had like he he had an off day against Tyrone too. You know what I mean? Like uh, he, he he nine shots. I think he scored one out of nine shots that day from a shooting point of view. He probably did more from open play on that day as well. And I, I like I think he'll probably you know. He, he, if he's that way of a high performer, he's going to realize that he's going to have to figure out, okay, well, maybe I need to be doing more of other stuff, right? That does, it takes off the pressure of them 10 moments where I need to put the ball over the bar. You know, maybe it's in relation to his defensive duties, like just to get himself back into a game. You know, if he has two wides that right, I'm just going to get a tackle on here. Like that's just going to be me moment of reset, you know, rather than just waiting for the next ball and like compounding the pressure. But like, look, there's enough good people around him to help him on that journey of growth. But like, he's only 24 and he's, he's, he's got his prime as well ahead of him, which is, which is scary. So. Can I ask you about one of your other former teammates, James McCarthy, Paul? Because we've obviously heard talked a lot about Cluxton over the years. You've given us good insight into Mick Fitzsimons there. James McCarthy's an interesting one. Uh, Desi said ahead of the match, which I was quite surprised by, that he's probably the greatest player we've ever had. You don't normally, when there are so many great players over the last decade or so vying for that title, I thought it was unusual for him just to, to casually drop that into a, a pre-match press conference or whatever. Uh, what were you surprised to hear that first of all and how important has James McCarthy been over this 10-12 year period um, was I surprised to hear that from Desi not really like Desi's, um, Desi's different to Jim you know whenever you get him in the media he will always give you things um, he, he, he's much more expressive you know he's, he's um, and I'd love to see some of his inter- interviews from today and over the next I, I think there was one I've seen this, I, he was on one this morning I'll definitely listen into it because he was in top form last night and um he's he's a different character to, to Jim, you know. He's 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 um he's quite emotional. But um with 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 James, you know, not really like look, I think it's it's a subjective one, right? But like if if you from a people's pre- like pre- preference around who, who styles of play or who's a player that they love or whatever like that. But when you talk about from a player's point of view, who anyone who's played along that journey will will just say that James he was he epitomised everything you know that that we stood for as a team. You know he was a guy who he said this yesterday, like he he put himself ahead of the, his interest ahead and. Um, the team's interest ahead of his own for a, nearly a decade or more, you know? And it was like yesterday for me was, okay, now it's your time, you know, to just lap it up, like, you know, and just take this bit of kudos that's coming your way because forever you've been just saying, right, okay, I'm going to do this for the team. I'm going to do that for the, and that's the my mentality is he, he's a guy who, you know, Nick Fitz said he, he nailed yesterday and I just used similar language when I was on the radio yesterday about him too, which is that he walks the walk, you know, he's just, he, he's, he, what you see in relation to the way he plays is is quite similar to what you see off the pitch too. It's just it's very straightforward. He 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 goes all in. He's a um, he's a he's a team player who, who who leaves nothing to chance in relation to his preparation and his diligence to the game. And you can see that like anyone who's moving like that at his age, Murph, like you know, is is he's minding themselves. You know, he is a, he is a um, genetically predisposed because of, because of how. how He's a physical specimen, but at the same token, he has to mind himself and he's done that incredibly well. And, um, yeah, to see him walk up the steps and he was quite emotional and, you know, there was, there was, um, it was, it was, it was, it was fantastic. And even last night chatting to him, he's on top of the world as well, you know, which is, which is, which is just great to see. And, um, yeah, like who knows? Like you're not, we might not see these guys play again. You know, like there's a lot of question marks around this team now. Like there were a lot of, like for me, moments that, I was like, Jesus, at the end when I seen Dean Rock and Mick Fitz and James McCarthy in the centre, I don't know what he's seen this, but they were in the centre of the pitch for around, you know, God, maybe 10 minutes after everybody else left. When they looked Are we like reading they were, uh, into the tea leaves there? I don't think you need to be, you don't need to see the future to, to realise that. You just look at their age profile first and you can just kind of say, okay, well, like, it wouldn't be that remarkable if the three of them did. You know what I mean? Like, they've, got, they've just done it for so long. You, you could argue it's really more remarkable if they keep going. And look, how many times do you see it? Like, Brian O'Driscoll is the one person who stands out for me who got the perfect send-off. I was in uh, the Aviva when they did the lap of honour. It was like, it was, it was just like, the, it was the, just perfect. It was a 30-foot batter. That was a bit much, all right, but yeah. Exactly, but the the point is, it very rarely ends on a high that you want. You know, typically, because what happens is, you, have, you experience this high that they're experiencing right now, 
and they say, but should we just do that again next year? And then you just, that comes to a crunch. So they made big decisions for them lads over the next couple of months. They don't need to worry about that over the next three days. They hopefully won't be sober enough to think about these things. But like, they are the types of things that will be coming into their mind. Do you want to end this on the perfect high or do you want to go back and try and do it one more time? And what a lot will be dictated on what the management team do too. You know, there's, there's no guarantees that, you know, the management team are going to be there as well. So, um, I'm not sure. Is this term up to, I don't know where that is at, but like, you, you just don't know. There'll be a lot of change over the next, you know, there well, could be a lot of change yeah. over the next. Can, can I months. bring you in here, Michael, just on, on Desi Farrell, because Paul has touched on him there a couple of times. Uh, it, you know, he came into the gig, got that first All Ireland, everything's plain sailing. If he had lost yesterday, you'd be talking about the decline of Dublin football under Desi Farrell. It'd be three years in a row where they haven't won one. Now suddenly he's got two and four. And uh, James McCarthy mentioned that he was getting a lot of flack. I don't know if he's getting any more flack than any any manager of high profile team does when they're not winning the big trophies. But it's certainly looking pretty good. Two All-Irelands and four isn't bad going for any manager. No, exactly. It could have been one or four. It could have been two or four. Um and listen, he's done a, he's done an unbelievable job. The one thing I'll say, and it obviously and you him from dealings with with the GPA, um, you know, in terms of a manager, I don't know, don't know what he's like, but the one thing that I admired about him, um, and maybe he was forced to do that in his tenure. Listen, you're coming on after the Jim Gavin thing. There's just going to be natural comparisons made there. It's, it's all it's all the time, isn't it? People say about the Ferguson Moyes thing, isn't that isn't that mm-hmm. the way it is? But like he's done a he's done he's done a brilliant job. But the thing I really, really like, he's made big calls. He's always made big, big decisions. Like, you know, he's, he made the decision to bring them all back, the players back. Now, maybe they said they were coming back. Maybe he was forced. People could say he was forced to make that. I mean, the lack of ego and how humble he was to make a decision in terms of bringing Pat Gilroy on. More sp- speak about Pat Gilroy over the over the last 18 or 12 months than there has been about Desi Farrell, and maybe rightly so also. But even to make the big calls yesterday on, on dropping Kilkenny this year, and bringing him back now, maybe it didn't work in the final, but he made, he always made a, b- a big, big call. Um, and, and and sometimes in a manager, that's what you need. It's very easy to just go what you've done. It's very easy to say maybe he had the tools at his disposal to make those calls. But um, listen, fair, fair play to him. There's there's a part of you, there's a, there's a part of him that's a half a Donegal man too. Um, and we, 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 we're, we're clutching at anything up here at the moment. Um, so no, listen, fair Fair play, Tim. There's, there's a party he's delighted for somebody that had to follow the Jim Gavin to follow that bit of a transition period. It wasn't easy, and and he will be he'll be a happy man, but he'll be happy for Dublin. I think that'll come across and and Desi more than anything. He's been a player. He and the thing that he's done, he's done the journey. He's been with the minors. He's been with the with the tw- the the twenties. You know, and he, and he's been right through it. So he just didn't go on at the top to take that job. He's yeah. been through the journey of it, and and it has to be credit has to be given to him. Credit to the two of you lads as well. Great season, lads. Really enjoyed the last few months. So uh, have a nice break and we'll chat to you again soon. Michael, Paul, brilliant stuff. Thanks, man. Now, can we go for the goal here? 2-13 to 113. This is like old times at the moment. Hurt them, killed them, injured them. Around ruin on the 45-meter line. This is deliberately to stop Mead's momentum. Have no doubt about that. When Dublin get vulnerable, they always do this. Always and ever. And always and ever have. That was our mentality in the 80s. Hurt them, kill them, injure them. Mackie Some of footballers are missing now. Killer, inst- killer instinct. Tough babe, lad of bloody air. Two or three players need to be stopped. Some way, somehow, they need to be stopped. Hurt them, kill them, injure them. Killing Dublin, stopping Dublin. There's certain things need need to do to stop them, you know? There's still a chance for me, and Dublin at the moment are holding on to it in an obnoxious fashion. This is ugly, ugly football. That killer instinct. Your purpose on this planet is to stop Dublin. Hurt them, kill them, injure them. Do anything you've got to do, they're just going to be stopped. They're either going to be outplayed or they're going to be removed. All right, let's not hang around here too much. This is a busy day of reaction and live sport mm. literally just about to kick off in the second half between Ireland and Nigeria which is on downstairs not all at the moment I mean you all know the result at this stage <laughs> and we'll be talking about it later on in our football pod but just to just to give you the heads up it, it's a stalemate at half time <laughs> thanks Murph thanks Ken thank, thank you, you Owen. Owen thank you thank Ken you, Ken. 
Thanks for listening. For full GA coverage, do sign up to secondcaptains.com for only a fiver a month plus VAT. The Second Captains podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network and you will hear all episodes ad-free if you become a member. Now back down to the game. It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade us of the world outside of that. That's why sport's important. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.